How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. Good evening, Al. How's it, Mr. Modlin? Yeah, doing very well, bro. Nice to be back at the podcast. Yes, uh, we are actually becoming a bit more, what's the word, um, repetitive. Not the repetitive, I forget the word now. I think the word, I think the word you're looking for is professional, but I don't think it's correct. <laughs> um, no, what's the word where things happen all the time? Not repetitive, there's another word. Consistent. I, 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 consistent, that's the one that I'm looking for. Because we had a little bit of a, a wobble um, when I traveled. Yes. So it's good, it's good to be back. Uh, but I'll, I'll be traveling again soon, So, um, but for good reason. So we'll do a lot of recordings when I'm there. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have a better plan for it next time. We'll plan properly. Also, where I'm traveling to, there will be decent bandwidth. Cool. So what interview do you have for us this week? On the back of the SHARE conference, we had uh, Vlad Katranescu with a C, the man with the sexiest lisp in SharePoint, um, on chatting to us about, and let me get this right, we talked about the role of the IT Pro morphing from IT Pro into business consultant and also the concept of citizen developers coming through because we're seeing that it was a common theme at, at the SHARE conference and it was really about how he's moving for the most part, not moving, but cross-pollinating into being able to articulate business solutions, not only worrying about infrastructure all the time. So let's cross to that. So we managed to track down the elusive... Um, the really young kid that's made himself um, made, made a name for himself in the SharePoint community. The one and only Vlad Katroniska. Welcome to the show once again. Thank you for having me, Mr. Pugin. Ah, uh, you can actually pronounce my surname right. That's good. Yeah, well, at your age, I have to say Mr. in front because you know. <laughs> All right, yeah, the grandpa <laughs> jokes are old now, Vlad. It's old. So, second time in South Africa? Yeah, really, really happy to be back. And you were here for? Uh, this time I was here for the SHARE conference in Johannesburg. So you were not only the youngest speaker, but the youngest attendee as well? That I have no idea about. Younger speaker probably, but attendee I have no idea. <laughs> and your overall view on the SHARE conference? It was a great conference. I like the concept of having a conference only for business users without anything technical. So I think it's something that no other conference really does in the world. So I really like the concept and idea to empower the business users to do more and to teach so, them so, stuff. So why were you here if it was a business-focused uh, session? Hey, I, I do a lot of stuff with business users. And even if most people know me for the IT Pro stuff and the PowerShell and all that, I, I do a lot of the stuff with power users, helping them do stuff out of the box. Because, you know, I don't dev. So all the stuff that I do is out of the box or with some light customizations like some JavaScript and stuff like that. Okay, so I want to chat a bit about a good thing that you pointed it out. We as South Africa are now officially getting Microsoft data centers in the form of Azure as well as Office 365 uh, physical locations in South Africa. And you've traveled the world, you've worked across multiple continents. Are you seeing a big uptake? You must have seen it when the data centers first got dropped. Are there data centers in Canada? Yeah, we had them in, I think, June or July last year. We just oh, got them. Lost, so, yeah, yeah wow. so it's pretty recent, not even a year. 
And uh, have you seen an uptake in usage? Yeah. Is really, it, is it really. And not that many people wanted to put their data, especially in the U.S., because of the Patriot Act and yeah. all the other laws. So having data centers in Canada was really big for all that data, where the data is stuff, and also for performance, because having data centers kind of in your backyard makes it a lot faster than having them across the continent. You know, traditionally, as Africans, we tend to feel that we are on the arse end of the world and that we're so backward in technology. What has your experience been in South Africa, considering that you're having the same problems in Canada or had the yeah. same problems that, that we are currently experiencing and hoping to leapfrog when the data centers are put down in Johannesburg and Cape Town? Well, by looking at what I saw at SHARE, there's not that many people left on 2007 or 2010. Most people are on 2013, and that seems to be the standard. Not that many people in Office 365, and I understand why. I mean, the, one of the big differences from a technology perspective, from what I've seen at least in North America, Europe, compared to South Africa, is the internet speed. Okay. I, I think they're a lot lower here on average compared to we all, at we least all, North America. We are moving in the, in the right direction. I remember municipal fiber being rolled out in North America. That's the part below Canada. <laughs> being rolled out probably about 10 years ago where municipal fiber 50 meg up 50 meg down became a reality in quite a few states in america we're starting to see that come through uh, we now have fiber to the home which is yeah. big um, i think for the first quarter in the history of adsl uh, fiber actually overtook adsl um, installations wow. at home Home and that gives you what one gig per second, or we're not there yet. So we're okay. looking at probably I think a max on the fiber side, residential wise, people would go for a hundred megs. Although our content services in South Africa, okay. I look at the way content services work in the US. The traditional cable TV, you can now go and deploy a Fire Stick, and you can sign up to CW or CBS or ABC, oh, yeah. and oh, you yeah. can start consuming those services via fiber instead of cable, which is great to see. We're not there yet. We've got one large content provider. There are five licenses. So you've got five other content providers that can okay. We're seeing that drive. Also, the way kids consume content, YouTube being a big thing. YouTube being Netflix and, and all, all the other stuff. That's starting to, to pick up. So we're seeing that roll into sort of commercial fiber. Even yeah. though it's still pricey, the prices will drop over the next couple of years. Also, with data centers being in-country, um, it's local then. So you don't have to break out to the internet oh, to yeah, come you, in. You can go directly to the data center almost. Uh, like ExpressRoute was. So ExpressRoute becomes a thing of the past. You're going to see site-to-site VPN traffic probably increase. And yeah. we've got a lot of dark fiber that will be switched on now because Africa will want to come to into South, South Africa. South Africa, yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be a big boom for the whole economy here. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to work to maintain those data centers. A lot of people who are going to start working with Office 365 because so many companies are going to start having it. So I think it's going to, it's a great thing that they're bringing data centers here. So the role of the IT pro, especially, we've seen it. You can take a sip of your um, non-alcoholic beverage because it's, uh, you only start drinking after 11. Is that a Canadian thing or? No, that's only for, because we stopped at what, 11 last night? So yeah. I got to give it a 12-hour break. Okay. All right. So okay, that, yeah. that's just your, your strategy <laughs> around that. So the role of the IT pro, it's been, there's been a lot of uh, discussions 
over the last 18 months about how the IT Pro is morphing. You should see it. You, Mr. Yeah. IT Pro. Um, you've got a couple of books. I've actually used your content, um, strangely enough, when you were <laughs> what, probably like 12 when you, when you, when you brought that um, content out around uh, SQL performance optimizations. Still one of the best things to ever come out of Can- Can- Canada. Can- <laughs> Canada. Canada, okay. Yeah. yeah. So how, how are you seeing, I mean, you transitioning, obviously. Are you seeing, well, my questions are twofold. One, transitioning to the Office 365 space and not having to worry about the performance of service applications or uh, elected users and um, all of those things versus having to worry about Azure now. So what would you suggest the role of typical IT pros, how they should morph into more, we don't have to worry about infrastructure anymore, we've got Office 365 and what are your experiences been around in, in that space? So it's really funny because I've been told for the last three years, the IT pro is going away. You're not going to have a job and blah, blah, blah. But I'm busier than ever. There's, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, not everybody's going to want to go to Office 365 or to the cloud. There's a bunch of reasons uh, why people want to stay on prem. And I was just having a chat on Twitter and I think beginning of the week on Monday with uh, Joanne Klein from uh, Saskatchewan. And he's like, why do people don't want to go to the cloud? And I said, one of the big reasons is that you'd lose control. And there's a bunch of other reasons, but I think in my opinion, the biggest one is you lose control over features, over feature deprecation and all that. Microsoft can take away a feature with zero notice and not like, if you're, if you create a solution, it's going to break. If, if you have to maintain it, it's going to break. And funnily enough, on Wednesday, two days later, Microsoft took out the HTML stuff in calculated fields. So that was a perfect example why I think, first of all, not everybody's going to go to the cloud. So there are still need, you still need to have IT pros needed to maintain those environments. A lot of people are going to go hybrid. And that's also IT pro who's going to set up the hybrid, maintain it, make sure the service applications that everything is working. Now, let's say the company goes to the cloud. Not all of them want to go to SharePoint Online. Some of them will just want to get rid of the servers, but still want SharePoint server, but running in Azure. And you know, the DAX infrastructure as a service. And the SharePoint IT Pro didn't manage the infrastructure anyway. So they'll still have to manage SharePoint exactly as they did before. Still have to install it, configure it, all that. So it's just no change for IT Pro. And if a company goes to SharePoint Online and Office 365 and scraps everything else, I think the IT Pro will kind of become the resource to empower the business users to do more with the -the out-of-the-box tools. For example, Power Apps. And uh, this one was one of the examples I was talking in the workshop. Power Apps is really cool. You can create mobile applications and all that. But do you want to take a picture and upload it to SharePoint or to Azure? Well, you need to have a web service running in Azure that will accept that picture and do it. And this is stuff that the Power user is not going to be able to do. So you'll still be there as an IT pro, but instead of doing PowerShell, instead of doing stuff like that, you're mostly going to be working with Azure. You're going to be working with Power User tools like Power Apps, Flow, and stuff like that, and taking it to the next level where the Power User can't. So I don't think the IT pro has something to worry about because even the account synchronization still has to be done by an IT pro. The DC is always going to stay online. The integration with Office, the... There's so many things. So I don't think IT pros have something to worry. It's always good to learn new stuff. So learning, 
SharePoint Online, learning the basics of Exchange Online, learning the basics of Skype for Business Online. That's something you're going to have to do, but I don't think the IT pros should be worried, especially in SharePoint. I think it's very different for stuff like Exchange because it's less customizations. You don't really, you don't really customize Exchange, right? No. People just use Outlook, and that's what I say. That's one of the reasons why Exchange is the first one going to the cloud because yeah. users don't use Exchange. They use Outlook. Yeah. So as long as they shut down their computer Friday night and Monday morning, they open the same Outlook, they don't even care what's behind. But for SharePoint, you always have training to do. You always have customizations to do. You always have workflows to do. You always have forms to do. So you still have a lot of job to do. So I'm, I'm not worried for the future. Are you seeing a lot of customers? Because typically, when we say uh, you're moving to the cloud, in our space, we... We're literally saying that you're moving to Office 365. Yeah. You're not moving to Azure. And 99% of my conversations with customers are really, you're moving to the cloud, great, you're moving to SharePoint Online. There's no discussions around, okay, infrastructure as a service. Yes. We don't want to spend money on TIN locally. We're actually going to move our SharePoint environment to Azure. And when people talk hybrid, they don't talk Azure and Office 365. Well, they yeah, talk that's not hybrid. And yeah. yeah, but I mean... Yeah, you can have a hybrid between Azure and 365 if you want to. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Most people, when they go to the cloud, they want to go to SharePoint Online. So they don't have to manage any of that. So you're having the same experience. Then. People are not saying, all right, we don't want to worry about on-premise data center or server yeah. room or, yeah, yeah. or glorified no, room. No, not really. Want to call it some, a, a cabinet somewhere that there's a couple of pieces that turn in there. They would move to, to, 365. to 365. But the thing is, Azure... In, and I say this with uh, a lot of love. Azure does a lot of great things, but infrastructure as a service is not really one of them, in my opinion. Okay. It's because it's expensive and it's slow. And again, maybe because I have a the MSDN subscription, they just put me on the shitty hardware that oh, no, they had from the like 10 years ago. It is the shitty But one. like, yeah. even if I get like a machine with like, I, I was doing a demo, so I had a 56 gig of RAM. I had like eight cores and I had SSD disks. It still took me 10 times as much than to install it on my home server to install SharePoint. So I just find it really, really slow for the price that you pay. And so many people did calculations that it doesn't make any sense to go on Azure infrastructure as a service versus your own data center. And even another thing, Office Online Server. Yeah. For example, you can't actually license it in Azure re- legally. Really? Yeah. So Office Online Server and Office Web Apps has a clause that it doesn't have the license portability. So you can only install it on hardware that you own. So that's one of the big issues, and a lot of people have been blogging about it. You're not allowed to install Office Online Server in Azure. Wow, I didn't know that. And now that you need that for business intelligence, yeah. Well, you. But well, you do need it for. for BI. You need it for BI it now because gone. yeah. So. You can't do SharePoint BI in infrastructure as a service, even in Microsoft's own That's thing. That's ridiculous. I'll, I'll send you a link. Trevor Seward uh, from uh, Seattle has a great article that explains all the details about it. I'll send you the link after so you can include it in the description of the pod- podcast with all the links to everything. But yeah, it's something that you cannot do in Azure. So For me, that would be the probably the showstopper about moving people. So when... Because we started the conversations, all right? We've got customers that are moving to Azure. And when they move to Office 365, 
there's still components that you move to Azure. People think they can just go to Office 365 and not have Azure. Yeah, it's Azure in the back. They don't necessarily need to see Azure. But it's Azure in the back, you technically. Get, you get Azure yeah. credits. Yeah. credits. You get Azure functionality free yeah. with your Office 365 yeah. tenant. Oh, I think it's on, from an E3 upwards. I know with rights management services. Yeah, you get Azure information protection. And even to manage a lot of the stuff for Power Apps. You talk again, talk about IT Pro. It's done in Azure. A lot of the rights, a lot of the stuff for Power Apps, it's done in Azure if you want to customize it. On the back of that, moving along, so we've discussed the IT Pro and the role of the IT Pro and how that, that is morphing and how it's changing. Are you seeing that? Uh, I've got a friend that's an Exchange MCM and he's actually having a lot of OneDrive conversations, which is not really the Exchange person's domain because of Office 365 and how everything's sort of glued together. Are you seeing, and you mentioned it earlier on, are you seeing more exchange conversations coming into the SharePoint IT Pro world because of Office 365? Not, in my opinion, I haven't seen any. So right. Maybe because I'm known as Mr. SharePoint IT Pro that nobody has ever approached me about exchange. That's no. maybe one of the I, reasons. I agree with you. I haven't had exchange conversations. So I didn't have, I never kind of mixed, except for small businesses. They're like 20, 30 employees and they're looking for somebody to manage their whole Office 365. But for at the enterprise level, no, the exchange guy is still the exchange guy and only right. does exchange. He's the one doing the debugging. He's the one. He doesn't have as much to do as he did before. Yeah. But he's still all the roles or the transport connectors. All the stuff is still done by the exchange guy. Right? It's a dedicated right. person. Okay. So we're not, we're not seeing, having SharePoint people are not having to worry about exchange. Whereas exchange people are starting to have to worry about OneDrive and then it becomes a SharePoint conversation. Yeah. Well, I think, and that's the funny thing that as we're moving to the cloud, the Skype for Business people still worry about Skype for Business. The exchange people only do exchange. But the SharePoint people now, all the productivity tools like Delve, Power Apps, Flow, it's kind of all on the SharePoint people. Yeah, that conversation. That kind of, yeah, all, all of productivity went to the SharePoint people. And that's why we have so many tracks now in conferences. It is very confusing for the most part. Your opinion on the citizen developers? We had a discussion about it last night. So it's funny because citizen developer has a different meaning for it's like everybody has an opinion on it so i think it's a great thing that we empower the business users to do more and i think everybody agrees on that part that it's great that you don't need it to customize to do a custom form you don't need it to do a simple workflow anymore business user can do it themselves but now where does the citizen developer end and the developer begins that's kind of a bit more the gray area in my opinion a citizen developer is somebody who uses the tools that are built in to create the solution. So, for example, they use Power Apps to create a mobile app. They use Flow to create workflows. They use, like, the built-in web parts. But they're not going to download code and compile it with Yoman and all that. So I think it's great that Microsoft is investing in the... I think the name is the business application platform, which is Flow, Power BI. Uh, we still discuss this. We need to find what it was. What it yeah, is. I told you. I'll Google it right now. No, I know that there's that one, but there's another one that we've seen, a universal business toolkit or something. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of all of Office 365, in my opinion, there. Yes. That becomes your universal toolkit. Not only those three. And because, yeah, you can use all of them in your advantage to, to build cool stuff. 
So you had a workshop after the SHARE conference. It was on day three of the SHARE yeah. conference. And you had to interact with local people. From a skills perspective, is there a difference between the skills? I, I like to think that Office 365 leveled the playing fields when it comes to, okay, what skills you require, yeah. whereas we've got, I've got quite a few customers still in SharePoint 2010, and we're moving them now, and the conversation is, do we upgrade to 2013 or 2016, or do we go straight? But dealing with that workshop, you must have had quite a lot of interaction with people. Skills-wise, do you see South Africa lacking the skills, the type of users that you were and you interact with in the um, Canadaeus or <laughs> in Canada. Is there a difference? Or Europe, I know Europe's got quite a lot, there's a lot of product coming out of Europe currently. So yeah. are you seeing a skills difference really between the users that you've interacted at the workshop versus other workshops that you conduct across the planet? Well, it's really different because Share is a conference that's kind of built towards the people that do, are not really technical. So for them, like talking about loops, talking about, for example, uh, more technical stuff was a bit tough, but it's not, I don't think it's a skill level if you compare a simple business users in South Africa with a simple business user in Europe or in North America. I think that the, the conference is aimed towards people who are not of a high technical level. So, so when we talk about the best SharePoint conference, which is now includes Azure and Office 365 on the continent, SharePoint Saturday, which you've been to last year. Was that a different experience for you? Yeah. So at the SharePoint Saturday, I had really good IT pros. I had really good deep technical conversations about SharePoint 2016, about hybrid. Whereas here, it was like... So it's more business focused. It was no business focused. And I love those conferences because at the same time, you build a really cool, simple workflow, like four lines in SharePoint Designer. And people are like, wow. Oh, that's right. You did SharePoint Designer training. I did so SharePoint for, designer for, for training. For everyone out there, if your users come back and say that they want to use SharePoint designer, uh, we've only got one person to blame, and that is Vlad Katrinisko <laughs> from the Canadaeus. Uh, it's his fault that you're having SharePoint designer questions being raised by business users currently. No, uh, but I mean, uh, let's face it, a lot of, most of the companies in South Africa today use SharePoint, use SharePoint on prep. Yes. So my goal with the workshop, and I know that all the all the visionaries or the influencers are like, oh my God, Teams is the best thing ever. It's going to replace SharePoint or Teams is going to do this. Power Apps is going to replace that. But it's not the reality for the audience here, at least this year. Maybe next year when I submit, I'll ask them, is everybody on the cloud? Can we Do we only talk about cloud? But the reality is that I wanted to create something that people can go back at the office on Monday and be able to use it right away. And if I only did Power Apps and Flow, people were going to forget everything in one year when they're finally going to deploy Office 365. And as much as people say SharePoint Designer is like the devil's tool, it's still a great and powerful application to build workflows. And that's the only way to build workflows even in SharePoint 2016 if you don't have hybrid. Yes, I agree with you. But you could always buy a product like Nintix, okay, too. Yeah, but yeah, not everybody has Skyber, or, or or Datapolis or Webcom or one of those, but not everybody has money to spend and right. not people don't pay what is 5,000 Rand to go to a conference and have a marketing pitch on a product. They want to learn what does Microsoft offer them, what is available out of the box, because if they don't know what's available out of the box, 
they're also not going to be able to appreciate what a product like Data Polis can do when they see it. Because if they think like, yeah, but can't Microsoft do that out of the box? But if they learn what it can do out of the box, they also know the limitations. So they can say, hey, we need something that's not available out of the box. So that's why we now have a business case to buy a product. In closing, we um, hit on the top of the hour in the Two Guys in SharePoint studio. So we'd like to wrap this up. Where can people get hold of you on the Twitterotis and the interwebs? Sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Vlad Catrinescu, which is really easy to spell. But <laughs> luckily, there's not that many Vlads doing SharePoint, so you should find me pretty fast. Uh, I blog a lot at absolute-sharepoint.com. And I'll be at uh, most of the big conferences this year. I'll be at Ignite. I'll be at ESPC. I'll be at a SharePoint Fest. So if you see me around, don't hesitate to say hi. And I can tell you a bunch of things about Alistair. So come see me. <laughs> well, great. Thanks for coming on the show, Vlad. And we always appreciate your time. Cheers, cheers. Cheers. Cool. Thanks so much, Vlad, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I couldn't get him out of the country fast enough because he sort of stayed with us for, for a few days. That's cool. And uh, yeah, difficult. You know what 24-year-olds are like. <laughs> um, but yeah we had an interesting time so it's always great to have Vlad, Vlad on the show sweet alright moving on yes very swiftly we're into the news in the news so our first bit of news there are a couple more resellers that have announced they're going to be providing Azure Stack appliances so that's Huawei and Avande which is a joint between Microsoft and Accenture no no no, no you, you, you pronounced both of them wrong so it's Huawei and Evernade. Huawei. And Evernade. Okay, if, if you say so. So anyway, they <laughs> join, they're going to be joining Dell EMC, HPE, and Lenovo, who are going to have Azure Stack appliances out mid-year, and Cisco UCS hardware um, will be a little bit later, and I'm assuming these two will have some a bit later now. So just to recap for the listeners, the Azure Stack appliances are pre-built boxes that you can drop in your data center and will provide the Azure stack for you in-house as opposed to in the cloud. So the, the stack sort of cloud in a box stuff has been around for at least four years. They'll actually package it as cloud in a box. You could go into Microsoft and buy it indirectly. Well, in the US, you could buy it directly from Microsoft, the Dell cloud in a box stuff. So it's all compute modules like they have in Azure. Just bearing in mind, Azure stack is not Azure. No. It's just got that pretty front end, but you have to build out everything manually. It's not like you're going to get Azure Stack and then you can magically spin shit up. It is not that. No, it, it's it's the Azure framework that that you then have to build through. Yeah, it's the it's the ske- the 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 skeleton. Oh, look, it looks like Azure. Okay, how do I build the VM? You need to go build everything at the back. Yeah, but it is cool. It's. It's quite nice that there's more support for this. So it's it's really got some legs, which is cool. Next up, a new technology has become generally available to everybody. It is Stream. It's the Office 365 business video service. But uh, maybe you can explain for us, Al. Um, this is a new thing, but we already had Office video in O365. So Stream's been around for, I, I think when we signed up for the preview, it was probably about five, six months ago. It might even have been last year. So Stream is here to replace uh, Office Video or Office 365 Video, which was the old video service, the streaming service from Microsoft that was loosely built on top of 
media player streaming service, which used to sit on top of IIS back in in the late 90s. That's actually where it started with video streaming. I've got a mate of mine that, I think it's Antform, that was the first video streaming service in South Africa to use uh, Windows Media Streaming. They even had that DRM content stuff that they wanted to plug into it, like DRM content with Apple and iTunes and those things. Okay. So Stream is Microsoft's new version of an old technology that's been around for the better part of 20 years. We had Office 365 Video, and now you have both tabs in your, what do they call it, in your Office 365 Waffle. Yeah, in, waffle, the, in the app launcher, I think they call it. Some people call it waffles because it looks like a waffle. Sure, whatever it's called. The icon, the, yeah. the icon it looks like a waffle. Yeah, we know what it means. So now the crazy thing is there are channels inside. So if you go to stream.microsoft.com, say you log in and you create a, your channel, which is where you upload your videos to, and it's stored in Azure, from my understanding, as a blob. I had my mate, Lauren, Lauren the Cloudmouth, that's what you know him on Twitter as, and Daryl, Daryl from Down Under, actually they had a session two days ago about the GA. And they were saying that when you create a channel, it creates a group. More groups. And you can embed a channel in a team. So you can add a channel to a team, but that's not the same group that the team created. It's a different group. <laughs> so, so it's really? a group within Even a group. A... So it's like, it's groupception. Because a channel in a stream, in stream, gets its own group. Hectic. More confusing. That's, that's difficult. Okay, so but so at the moment we've got stream and office video available concurrently. Are they going to remove office video? Do you know? There's no word yet. Uh, chances are they will port or migrate across from anyone that's been using Office 365 video to to stream. It's still there. Okay. The icon is still there. It's called video. It looks like Visio with a play button. It's still in, in your waffle, in your office waffle. And your client should start seeing at the bottom, it will have a new tab that says stream if you haven't uh, played with the preview version. Sweet. Cool. So that's stream. Uh, another new available service given to us by Microsoft. Another thing that's come out, another new capability, Microsoft Dictate. Dictate is a capability that uses the Cortana. It was it was a Microsoft Garage product. It uses the Cortana engine and the Azure Real Time Translation engine, um, and it's available in Word, Outlook, and PowerPoint. And you can dictate to these apps, which is quite handy. I thought I thought Microsoft bought Dragon Naturally Speaking years back, probably about fifteen years ago. I must actually check up on that because they would have bought some. Uh, text. They've always had text to speech and speech to text technologies. It's yeah. actually part of the accessibility features. It probably all Windows. fed into Cortana, right? It fed into the Cortana engine, all that sort of learning. Yeah. So now they've they've got that engine, so they're using that. And it's a free download, so you can get it in thirty two or sixty four bit. I'd actually want to start testing it because I hate typing. I haven't played enough with Cortana. I I really haven't. Um, I'd love to get hold of a, a Cortana device because I've, I've got two... Do, do you have a cell phone? Set. Yes. Then you have a Cortana oh, no, device. Do, do you have a laptop? Yes. Then you've got a Cortana device. Do you have a service? The, I do. Then you've got a Cortana device. The only person I talked to through my PC is you, mate. <laughs> 
I talk to my Echo Dots, but I, I don't talk to, to, I haven't spoken to Cortana. I don't know what she's like. Let's actually try that out sometime. But in September, when I go back to the US, I will definitely start looking at wanting to acquire, you know, they always have these specials at Ignite where they give you discount on, on at the Microsoft store or they bring the store to the event. So it's going to be interesting to check. I've never been to an Ignite before, so I'm super amped. Yeah, it's super exciting. Next up in the news, on all about Microsoft.com, Mary Jo Foley's got a really great article about um, the 13 latest investments that Microsoft Ventures have bought. At number that looks ridiculous, uh, the stuff that they invested. Yeah, so we're not going to run through all 13. I'm just very quickly, like I've pulled out a couple highlights. Um, so they bought Trisona, which is an identity authentication company. Uh, Bonsai, which is automated machine learning management. Synac, um, which is a security testing firm that crowdsources ethical hackers um, for security <laughs> testing, which is pretty cool. Um, Cnex Labs, which are a semiconductor company. They make solid state storage controllers. The reason I think Microsoft bought them was they also make data center software. No, I think they want the tin. They want the, the SSD, the storage stuff for all the kit. Yeah. So think about Surface laptops. So yes, it's a ton of them. Um, we're not going to go through the entire list. Yeah. There's no point. Um, but it, yeah, it, uh, it's it's largely um, data center stuff, um, security stuff, AI. Yeah, a lot of security, a lot of data center stuff, a lot of cloud stuff. I, w- I want to know what they're going to do with the airspace management platform for drones. That is just crazy. Yeah, that's a bit weird. That that That's sort of like an outlier. Well, everyone's doing weird stuff, mate. Amazon just bought Whole Foods in the US, which is a traditional store. Yeah, but Amazon are a retailer, right? That Yes, but that, that but they're like Uber. They don't own... They don't really... Well, they do own warehousing, but... Major they warehousing. Don't own, they don't own the stock. They don't have, they don't have brick and mortar stores. No, Amazon have, yeah, Amazon have lots of stock themselves. Like, as in, like, they, you can buy it from Amazon or from people who are sell, selling through Amazon. They, they, they have a lot of their own stock as well. They haven't traditionally like been in the, the brick and mortar store business. Um, but I suppose they think Whole Foods is, is worth it. It's quite oh, it's weird. It's be interesting to watch that come down. Yeah. So, MAP, MAP's a, a weird one, like you say. Um, there was another, like, sort of strange one was uh, Picket. Which is basically a site for stock no, that, images. That, that makes complete sense, mate. It's cool. Complete sense. It's cool though because finding stock images for presentations and stuff is irritating. So if they can just bring that into the whole ecosystem, just in office, that would be sweet. Well, there's a there's a ton of free ones. There's a list. If you go to Hootsuite.com, they've got like twenty free uh, stock photo. I use Gratisography or something um, for all my crazy slides. And I love, I love that. There's a guy that they take, they, that's just ridiculous. But there's about 12 of them, 12 different ones that are free stock photos. So it's, it makes logical sense that they'll go buy a company that does these things. Yeah, and they can just present it in the, in the apps, which is pretty cool. The last bit of news I have is there's been an update for Excel 2016 and specifically the Power Query uh, add-in. So... If you are using Excel 2016 and you're querying a lot of data, this might interest you. Um, a couple of the things it does, you can now, um, when you're querying through Power Query, you can split columns by a delimiter. 
So in the query, you can say you're splitting on this and it'll split one column into multiples, depending on whatever your delimiter is. When you're combining different files, because you can set up a query to combine files, um, it now has the ability to open a sample file and you can use that to select um, whatever data it is you want, where it's columns or specific cells or stuff like that. So you can do that by via a sample file now, which apparently you couldn't before, which sounds weird. Um, and they've got a DB2 connector. So um, can connect to a DB2 server. So if you are doing that in your, uh, in your BI stack, you can now use Power Query to pull that data, which is cool. Where does it stop? That's my question. So well, it doesn't. On the back, on the back end of citizen developers, and I use the word developer lightly because you're not writing code. You're still developing things. Yeah. But now, well, I suppose there's always been power, you know, putting putting business intelligence into the hands of the users, and it forms part of how ECM is transforming transforming into content services, really. And that's where we've seen the biggest shift now when it comes to proper knowledge management understanding or when you actually have an understanding of knowledge management because that's the premise for everything and enterprise information management. And there's a huge shift in gear around it's no longer enterprise content management. It's actually just content services because people are consuming content completely differently to the way they did 10 years ago. Yeah, and this... I was, I was actually thinking about this. This is quite a strange thing for established companies, right? So for a startup or a small business or a company in the tech industry, this sort of transformation is eminently doable, right? Everybody, like in a small startup, everybody's excited. Everybody wants to do the best for the company. And you, you can really push these things. And these tools are great. For a big established company where you have thousands of, of employees, office workers, business workers who've been doing this job for 10, 15, 20 years, getting that same buy-in to have them, like you say, understand ECM, why they should care, why it matters, um, and actually perform these tasks rather than, you know, previously you'd have a department that would just say, this is how you do it and you do it. And then they'd handle all the, uh, all, all the back end for that. Now it's, there's almost this shift to getting users to do it instead of having dedicated resources, which is that I, I think that's quite a difficult shift for established companies with an established worker base. What do you think? In part, yes, and in part, no. So your ambassadors of change would be the, the millennials that you're hiring. So in order to change your business, it would be that. The old traditional way of you scan paper, you secure it, that's how you work with it. That's gone. ECM is changing. ECM is no longer going to be the, the term anymore. Content services. Microsoft's just driving content services. So is AIM, and you know what it's like. AIM's the governing body of all things. So when they say content services, people sit up and listen, especially the big guys, yeah. like your open texts and your, your documentums, which is open text now anyway. So like your open text and your Microsoft's because there's no other products out there. Yeah, that's about it really. Oh, Oracle still have a thing, don't they? Oracle bought Stalent, which had the Inso viewer, which was great. So OpenText is still uh, OEMing their file viewer capabilities, and they bought a couple of other products. And they're supposed to have an enterprise suite which sits on top of Oracle Application Server. And then you've got Adobe, who's always had a policy server, forms designer, and all of those things that, that form part of read extensions in Adobe Acrobat. Yeah. But they're both super expensive. 
Yeah, and and just not not as well polished as Microsoft stuff, in my opinion. Look, the maturity in both products are phenomenal. Coming back to our notes, um, yes, we we pushing, pushing, pushing. Microsoft Forms. Yes, so we've got some updates for it. Are are they are these available to anybody but education? No, no, it's available to everybody now. Oh, so there's a new icon in your waffle called Forms. Cool. So go ahead over to forms. Um, and the, Microsoft. The, this is the same one that was in the education product, hey? Th- think Excel survey type stuff. So yeah, it's really it's it's the same one. It's a, it's from the same skew. So forms, ask a question. It's like it's like SharePoint surveys, but pretty. Yeah, and and you and it comes. It, it, it also it integrates into OneNote. Well, I have no idea. I've never used it. The the, the education I, one did, but yeah, we must have a look into it. Because that's cool. I think you can embed a form in OneNote or something. But uh, so, what do you use? Pyapps or Forms? Uh, you can't build intelligence into into Forms. forms yeah, for, Forms is right. is yeah. really just a capture form. Power Apps Ask is, a is a bit more intelligent than that. Yeah. And so you've got a ty- you've got four different column types, which is nice. A text, a choice, a numeric, and I can't remember the the fourth one. And literally every question. Every every column is a question. That's how it was built, and it just it's captures like through. That. A, well, that that's super yeah. cool. Very handy. It works. It actually does work. So you can knock up a form quickly. No multi-column stuff. Yeah, but again, but it's you, it's you this. It's this. What what did you call it? User enabled citizen developers. Oh, citizen developers. Yeah, it's it's so more of this. Yeah. At the edu level, it's great because teachers can now create questionnaires that way yeah kids can consume it stick it into OneDrive, great so if you if you're using microsoft's classroom stuff awesome there's a lot of enablement there and it's a nice quick way for teachers to build forms yeah and and for businesses it's 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 a nice easy way to get this done where you don't need to get a developer in to do like a very simple little thing you you can very easily yeah you can very easily spin this up i don't know forms i just don't see a place for forms in in enterprise, well, if if you need to collect information from every one of your users or like just your team, like you you could go through a development cycle to get a Power Apps out because that is more complicated. Or you can just say, well, I I need you to fill in these five things. Let me make a forms, and it's done. Yeah, connect. Yeah, I mean, Power Apps on top of a list. There's flows you can initiate the flow from change, edit the form with Power Apps. Done. Sure. Although forms much easier, you don't have any of that. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, New form. Like New that, form, that's a tell people about it. Power apps flow all of this. You might not need a full-on code dev, but you need somebody who knows, like, well, how do I attach this to this and do that and what what. what Whereas, like, where, yeah. anybody can go in and make a a new Microsoft Forms form. <laughs> that's so, yeah, that's so not going to be at all difficult to say. No, no, no. Is it a SharePoint list form? Is it a Microsoft Forms form? Or is it a Power Apps form? <laughs> Too many forms. Sweet. What, what else do you exactly. got? Last but not least, SP Docket version 7 was released about two weeks ago. We've, we missed that one on our radar. It's the only tool. If you have to buy one tool for SharePoint, just one tool, if you could only spend money on one tool, SP Docket. Yeah, it is really fantastic. If you guys haven't seen them yet, We've spoken about it a lot on the podcast already. Um, it really, if if you're in the consulting industry, um, it makes life so much easier. 
It's the only product you need to buy. On the dev side, same with the code analysis framework from Rencore. These two products, and they integrate seamlessly with each other, it's the only two products you will ever need to buy for SharePoint. I mean, yes, there's Workflow and all the other tools, but the ones that... So I can build a workflow with SharePoint Designer. Yeah. So can you. I can build a form inside of SharePoint or use Power Apps and Flow. Yeah. You cannot do what SPDocu does. No. You cannot do it. Certainly not in the amount of time it, it takes to do it. Imagine having to document your format or running a best practice manually. I've, I've done it's it. It's going to take you a year. It sucks hard. To the level of what they document. Oh, no, 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 no. Like no, that's no, just that's, that's insane. No. I, <laughs> that's impossible. I, I do not generate five hundred page documents. <laughs> that's ridiculous, man. I actually had a thousand and forty, a thousand and forty page docu document. Um, it, it took like four minutes to open. Yeah, it is super exhaustive. So yeah, good good to know they got their new one out. I think that's it for the news. I think it is. Now it's time for my favorite segment. New find of the week. What you got for us this week, Al? In the spirit of where Microsoft is going and what's happening in space and citizen developer and buying off-the-shelf enablement because it's around content services, it's not about strategy on the back end for for working with ECM concepts because uh, this analysis paralysis stuff, ECM's this big tool and you have to build business-critical solutions. I'm going down the road of content services where you're buying enablement. Yeah. That's really where it's at. Yeah. A mate of mine, Mark Stokes, owns a company or a product called uh, Atollo. It's pretty much another internet in a box. Sweet. So I go across to this is Atollo. That's two T's and two L's. Um, A-T-T-O-L-L-O.com. And go find out about the product stuff that they're doing specifically around internet in a box. Oh, that's what I call it anyway. So they, I, I don't think they compete in the same space that Velo does or Unili or Bonsai. I think it's, that they, they, they probably cater for, it's obviously cheaper and it's not as complex. Not that Velo or any of those other products are complex, but this is something that you wouldn't necessarily have to get people like us in to come deploy and configure and then you use. Um, end users can actually it's very smooth, very elegant, easy to use, so it's cheaper, obviously. But, yeah, Mark Stokes and his compatriots have been doing this for a while. So go ahead, head over to this is Atalo, two T's, two L's, A-T-T-O-L-L-O, and have a squiz. I request a demo, play around with the product, um, have a look what they have, and you might be pleasantly surprised that you buy this instead of Velo, Unili, or Bratz, uh, or Bonsai. Yeah, it does depend what your uh, what your needs are, um, and it, it's nice that there's all these different products, so you can really pick the one that best caters for what you need. Look, competition is always healthy. Mate of mine that owned a software company, he said the best thing about the industry is that people will always try to bring out something that's two percent better than their product, and it's what keeps them on their toes. So competition is good. Yeah, sweet. Okay, then the last segment is my PowerShell commandlet of the week. Yay! And uh, this week's quite a cool one. Nice and easy, but should save everybody quite a lot of time. Until today, I didn't know this was a PowerShell commandlet that you could use. So it is clear SP log level. 
So what this does is it resets the Windows trace logging and event logging levels um, to their default values. Oh, bah. yeah. So if it's if, if you were in, uh, verbose logging to grab something because your service or something's not yeah. working, this will reset it to the default. To default, yeah. So you can you can give it an identity parameter, and then it'll just do that one. Or if you don't give it an identity parameter, it'll just reset everything in the file. So I've I've had many occasions where I'm troubleshooting stuff and I need some more details. So I'll turn this on verbose, and then that one, and then you're going through logs, and oh, I need this and after your whole process, sweet, everything's working. Now I need to take off all this verbose logging. Which ones did I do again? What what did I turn on? Did I turn that one on or that one? Now I can just go and say, clear SP log level, and it'll just reset the whole thing. So it just resets the log levels. It doesn't flush the logs. No, it doesn't flush the logs. It'll just reset the, the trace logging and event logging levels. Oh, nice. I actually like this one, mate. Yeah. This is a, a better, it's a better one. Yeah? You've struggled for a few weeks on giving like real sort of power ones, this one makes sense. I, like I told you, bro. Like I give you a random one. You, we, we, you, you get a random PowerShell command letter of the week. I am not saying like, oh, this is a cool one. Let me do that one. No, I have a big spreadsheet. I generate a random True number, story. and I give True you that one. Story out of the six hundred and eighty-seven um, something. What? What? Yeah. No more things to say, Mister Modler. No more things. Yeah, I think that's it for us for this week. So thank you all for listening. Again, if you want to find us online, you can find our website, twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. You can also find us on Twitter, at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter, at oddmodlin, and L is... At Alistair Putin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. That stuff is not in the show notes, mate. That's embedded in the surface of your cerebral cortex. Is that when we get to that section in the show... You just, it just it comes out of your mouth like it's been practiced 400 times. And it's perfect every time. Every time. Well, the, the sign-off is in the notes. It says sign-off and then it has four line-up. It doesn't have your entire sentence. Anyhow, ciao-ciao, Mr. Wadley. Cheers, Al. Have a good one. Pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it. I met a guy in that actually worked for Huawei, and it's a subject of contention because I would go Huawei, <laughs> but <laughs> it it reads the way it spells H U H U A W R and W E I W E Huawei. Who are we?